Have you ever come home from a long day just to find out that that meat you needed for your recipe has totally slipped your mind the last time you went to the grocery store? Well, with the help of ButcherBox, you might never have to deal with that problem ever again. With ButcherBox, you get the convenience of having high-quality meat and seafood delivered straight to your door. Not to mention the peace of mind you get to feel knowing that it's 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free. All humanely raised with no antibiotics or added hormones. Let ButcherBox help make your life even easier. No grocery store required. In addition to free shipping on every order, you get to curate your box plans, have access to member-exclusive deals, get recipe ideas and inspiration, as well as helpful tips. You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com morningcup and use the code morningcup at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year. Plus, get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash morningcup and use the code morningcup. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep podcast with Benjamin Boster. If you're tired of sleepless nights, you'll love the I Can't Sleep podcast. I help quiet your mind by reading random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. Each episode provides enough interesting content to hold your attention, and then your mind lets you drift off. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's I Can't Sleep with Benjamin Boster. Two more murders, 15 miles away. Arrived, they found the telephone we have a, electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. What happens if police know who the killer is, or at least have a pretty good idea, but don't have the evidence to arrest? That person gets to walk free and, in this case, take more victims. On April 22, 1987, police finally had enough evidence to arrest the Sacramento Slayer. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Morris Solomon Jr., born March 15, 1944, grew up in an abusive household in rural Georgia. He was raised by his authoritarian grandmother, who would beat Morris daily for things like bedwetting, mispronouncing words, or crying when she beat him. She would beat him while naked on his body and genitalia with an electrical cord or switch, and on one occasion, tied him to a pole because he kept backing away as she hit him. When he was 13 years old, he moved to Sacramento and was reunited with his parents, parents who would often sexually assault one another right in front of Morris. He lived through this, graduated high school, and attended community college while maintaining odd jobs until he joined the military and served in the Vietnam War. After his discharge in 1967, he returned home and became engaged to a girl he was dating before he was shipped off. Once she ended their engagement, he moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, found a new bride, had a child, got divorced, and moved back to Sacramento. 
1971, he had a history of sexual assault and violence under his belt and had been recently committed as a mentally disordered sex offender. He was eventually released and began working as a handyman in exchange for room and board. He would live with a family while working for them, and when his job was complete, he would move on to the next project and the next home. Little did anyone know, Morris Solomon was leaving behind a macabre souvenir in each of his past projects. On June 18, 1986, Sacramento police were called to an Oak Park neighborhood where they found the nude body of 22-year-old Yolanda Johnson. She had been stuffed in a closet in a home that was currently under renovation. On her neck were ligature marks. The handyman, a Mr. Morris Solomon, had found the body while working on the home. A month later, the body of 25-year-old Angela Paladore was found buried under the debris of a rundown Oak Park home. She was wrapped in bedding and had a sock stuffed in her mouth, and, like Yolanda, showed signs of strangulation. This home also had a resident handyman, Morris Solomon. Police immediately put him on the top of their suspect list, but the highly cooperative man left no evidence behind that could implicate him in the crimes. He gave his blood and fingerprints willingly and was always willing to answer police questions. On March 19, 1987, the body of a teenage sex worker, Marie Apodaca, was found in a shallow grave behind an Oak Park home. She was badly decomposed and had clearly been there for quite some time. A quick look into Morris's past proved that he lived in that home until December of 1986. A team of about 20 Sacramento detectives fanned out over the Oak Park community, particularly in the locations where Morris worked or lived, and brought him back in for questioning. He, again, was helpful and even offered to allow a search of his non-working car and the location where he was currently living. When they did so, police noticed a depression in the soil. When they inspected it further, they found the body of 26-year-old Sherry Washington and, two days later, the bodies of Linda Vitella, 24, and Sheila Jacox, 17, behind another home associated with Morris. These girls had been dead for about a year, so cause of death could not be definitively determined, but Sherry had been strangled to death. Morris Solomon was taken into custody on April 23, 1987, while the police searched, complete with military helicopter, for more victims. They found 29-year-old Sharon Massey buried in the same yard as Marie Apodaca. However, the information they had against Morris was largely circumstantial, as he left no evidence behind that could directly connect him to the murders. Convicting him would prove to be difficult. Though, witness testimony did connect him as an acquaintance of some of the victims, and semen collected on Yolanda's body was consistent with his blood type. His defense team relied heavily on the terrible childhood Morris suffered from. His crimes stemmed from the abuse as well as his tour in Vietnam and drug use. When all was said and done, Morris Solomon was convicted of six counts of murder. However, the penalty phase was declared a mistrial and a second jury was brought in. This second group unanimously put him to death. As his arrest and trial became public, a number of women came forward to identify Morris as their abuser. These women narrowly survived his attacks, and many left raped and near death. In total, five women came forward with accounts against Morris Solomon. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. 
Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on April 23rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.